You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. I trust that you are doing well, and I trust that this morning you have come ready to strengthen your root system. And if you weren't here last weekend, you could very well be asking right now, what does he mean? What is Pastor Stan talking about? Root system. Are we doing gardening lesson or what? You know, it's early Sunday morning. Um, I don't want to think about yard work. It's something totally different. Um, uh, last weekend, we launched into a two-week uh, series, a real short summer series. It's being week two, uh, a series called Better Together. Uh, and as I explained last weekend, the intent of the series is to reinforce the biblical value that says life is better when we connect into meaningful relationships with other people. Best said like this, life is better. In fact, life is best when we connect into, oh, in fact, when we're rooted into relationship with God, that's where our spiritual journey, that's where our spiritual life begins. But along with being rooted into relationship with God, that we are also rooted into the family of believers that he has placed around us. That's so important as we live out our, our, our life, our journey as believers of Jesus Christ. Um, uh, one of the things we talked about last week is in relation to root system is um, we really, uh, we, we want to establish a root system that is, uh, 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 resembles the root system of the great sequoias in the Sequoia National Forest, the redwood trees. Uh, we talked about last week, uh, they don't, their roots aren't isolated, growing deep, deep, deep into the ground regardless of how tall they are and you think that it needs to be but instead they have this very unique system uh, only about 6 to 12 feet into the ground and instead of growing deep they grow out and they become interlocked, intertwined supporting and protecting and actually feeding each other they become like this army interlocked together holding each other up and by the same token uh, as we begin to think or as we continue to think about how we live out our lives as we're pursuing what it means to be fully devoted followers of Christ. We want to live in the same way. We want to live with our arms interlocked, uh, uh, doing life in the community of believers that God has placed around us and that has placed us in. And I have to tell you, that takes willingness. It takes um, trust. And it takes vulnerability. Because relationships can be challenging. It takes a lot of vulnerability. But bottom line is life is better. Life is best when we do it together. Last weekend, I illustrated this point by talking about the great sequoias. So today, I thought I would illustrate the point another way. But I'm going to do something that's just a little bit more tasty. And you might even think that I'm, I'm tempting you this morning. Because it's probably breakfast is wearing off and you're, you're maybe getting a little hungry. So here here the mystery table. Um, as I'm uncovering it, let me say this. My wife literally, in my opinion, makes the best apple pie that has ever been made in the entire world. In first service, she just looked at me and she goes, well, actually, I do. She's pretty confident. I mean, it tastes incredible. I mean, there's something about it. And, and what's interesting is it's not real complicated. Um, I, it's probably easier for me to say, but it takes you a little bit of time. I watched her make something yesterday. But... Um, it, it, it doesn't involve a, a, a lot of ingredients. In fact, you know, I, I brought some of them today, or most of them. Obviously, it's apple pie, so it's got apples in it. And um, 
Uh, what would an apple pie be without sugar? Amen. Sugar's great. Lots of sugar. And then um, uh, butter. It's got some butter in it. Uh, cinnamon. I mean, cinnamon does it. And I didn't bring it this morning, but I think sometimes you actually put maybe a little nutmeg in it. And um, salt. It's got some salt in it. And, of course, it's, it's got a, a, a pie crust. No shame. This is a store-bought crust. It works really, really good. A smart thing to do. If you think about all of these ingredients by themselves, uh, some of them are good. I mean, we eat an apple. You know, apple's good. Apple day keeps the doctor away kind of thing. It's nutritious for us. So eating an apple by itself is not too bad. Um, we love sugar. Sugar would taste good, but not in excess, right? It actually wouldn't be good for us. We wouldn't just, I hope you won't just start taking spoons full of sugar and eating them. Um, cinnamon by itself. You know, a few years ago, there was the whole cinnamon challenge that was going on on YouTube where people were taking a spoonful of cinnamon and eating it. I don't think it's very healthy to do that. But uh, cinnamon by itself doesn't really taste all that good. It smells great, but it tastes, doesn't taste good. Um, butter, uh, I hope nobody sits down with a spoon and eats spoon full of butter. Uh, cholesterol, all those kind of things, you know, just, just not good for you. Butter used right, though, it, it, it is good. Uh, salt, uh, we need to guard against too much salt, but I hope you wouldn't sit down and just eat spoonfuls of salt. That wouldn't be good. And to just eat the raw dough, maybe, I like raw cookie dough, but just raw pie crust dough, I, I don't like. So all of those by themselves don't really do anything. However, when all of these ingredients are blended together. When you take a, a pie dish and you put the, the crust down in the bottom and then you pile it high with apples that have been sliced, Granny Smith apples, and then you pour this heavy mixture of cinnamon and sugar and maybe a little nutmeg over it. I mean, heavy sugar and cinnamon. and nutmeg. Put some butter on top of that and then uh, salt, a little flour I think you might put in there, and then seal that crust on the top and then the oven's been preheating and you put it in the oven and in just a few moments you begin to smell this smell that begins to move throughout your home and your mouth begins to water you can hardly wait and then the buzzer goes off you open the door and this smell just hits you in the face of this delicious looking apple pie you pull it out and you let it cool a little bit pull out a slice maybe some ice cream and you begin to eat and it is heaven it's heaven. In fact, it's so heavenly, this is what it looks like. This is the real deal. This isn't what they do on commercials. She made this yesterday. I mean, and I'm surprised there's not a slice out of it right now. It was so hard. But you get my point? Alone, these didn't make this. But together... In other words, we can't really enjoy apple pie until we understand that these ingredients were designed to be together. And it's the same way within the church, within the body of Christ. God has created us in a way that we would crave, that we would thrive on relationships. He's created us as relational beings. Um, we are at our best when we're able to live out the highs and the lows of life with other believers in a meaningful way. The family that God has placed around us, bottom line again, is life is better, life is best when we're doing it together in the community of believers. Um, this past week, I had the opportunity 
to, um, I do this on a weekly basis actually, to go to a, a, a work site uh, as the men were beginning to leave for their work day. Uh, and I go on a weekly basis on Wednesdays and I do a devotional time. And as I was meeting with this group of about oh, six to eight men, um, I asked them a question. And the question was, if you could ask for anything, if you could ask for anything in the world, what would you ask for? No horrible part. What would you ask for? And I'm expecting things like a new car, uh, an airplane, a new house. Uh, but the first answer he got is, well, I would ask for heaven. I, I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. And there were several answers like that. But then one young man, and I, I know his background. I know his challenges. I know the addictions that he's walked through. Uh, I know his story. And he just raised his hand and he said, if I could ask for anything, I would ask that the relationships that have been broken because of my choices would be healed and restored. I would ask for whole relationships. And that was just proof to me, once again, that relationships are everything. We can ask for the cars and we can ask for the houses and the trips and whatever it may be, but they don't bring fulfillment. It's relationships. It's living life out in meaningful relationships in the community of believers that God has placed around us. That's where life becomes most meaningful. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and I want to read to you in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. I'll give you just a second to get there on your Bible, in your Bible or on your phone. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 3, says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And so from that verse, I'm just going to uh, pull out three uh, three truths. Uh, the first one is uh, when we look at those passages, you need others and others need you. You need others and others need you. In other words, we cannot really live life out in isolation. As much as sometimes we might say, I don't want anybody, I don't need anybody, that's not true. You need other people and other people need you. We can never get away from that. The second truth is this, you have a, a role and a responsibility to fill to others in the body of Christ. Um, when you came into relationship with Jesus Christ, you didn't get an immunity card that says, you're saved, just sit back and relax, do what you want to. But it came with a role in the family of God that we have responsibility to other people. 
And so when we live in community, we're able to live out those roles and those responsibilities. Perhaps the, the role or responsibility is you're an intercessor, and so you pray for people. Or maybe you have the gift of giving, and so you give generously to make sure that people's needs are met. You have a role, and you have a responsibility. And then finally, uh, you've been given gifts to share that add value to the community. It's so often uh, to think, you know, I don't really have anything to offer. In fact, I was just talking to a, a lady a week ago Monday night. I was at the Monday night service on the Cornelius campus, and she said, I just... I don't think I bring any value to the, to the family of God. I, I just don't know what I have to offer. And having known her for a while and watching her, I just began to encourage her. You have value because you know how to encourage people and you know how to love and you serve so well. Listen, never discount yourself that you don't have anything because we need what you have. It brings great value to us. I wonder, have you ever really thought about what would it be like to do life alone? I have to tell you, I pulled out my phone because there's a couple of scriptures I'm going to read. And somebody in this room texted me and said, don't be surprised if there's a slice of pie missing after the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> That's why it's covered up again. <laughs> So uh, last weekend, um, uh, we, Cammie and I modeled life being better together as we taught together. I was so thankful for that time. And so we thought we would model, we would illustrate that again, that the rest of this message is going to be brought to you as we do it together because we're, we're better together. And uh, simply what we want to do, uh, let me bottom line you. When you came up today, you saw a lot of people under a tent and you saw some tables and you saw an ice cream cart and it's all there because we're luring you into something. Uh, but it's something really good and really healthy. We want you, I want to see, we want to see everybody in this room become engaged in meaningful community. And we have 16 groups that we are launching or relaunching. We, you have no excuse other than you just say, I don't want to do it. So there's a purpose in this. I'm not trying to pull something out. We want to to have you engaged in meaningful community. So we're going to take some time to have a conversation about the value of community because I believe that the multiplied voices will help you understand even better. So I'm going to begin, and um, uh, I want to read you uh, two scriptures. The first is in, first, uh, is in John chapter 13. It says uh, in verse 34, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So it's very obvious that we have been given by God a command to love each other. It's not a suggestion but if we're children of God, then we will imitate our Father and we will love like He loves. So uh, the value of community is that community allows us an opportunity to live out this love that we've been called to love. When we involve ourselves in meaningful relationships, we have a place where we can begin to leave it, live it out. We can't love others in isolation. If, if I say I'm, it's just me, myself, and I, I'm going to spend all my time indoors watching my favorite television program. Don't bother me. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to answer your email. I'm not going to answer your text. 
I'm never going to have the opportunity to love anyone. But when I engage myself in relationships with other people, I find opportunities to love other people and other people find opportunity to love me and those around me. And I want to give you two examples. Um, First, uh, how community provides an opportunity to love other people. Um, as you know, many of you, uh, most of you, uh, Pastor Luke Lang, who had been on our pastoral staff for quite a few years uh, this year, uh, well, today he's celebrating with us in heaven. Uh, God saw fit that, he, that that's, where he, that's where he lives now. What a great place to live, his eternal home. Um, but uh, uh, Pastor Luke's wife, Diana, and she may be here today. She, she's coming to our campus now. Um, she, afterwards, she found herself uh, alone in a sense. It, but there was a community of believers that have gathered around her. But she was presented suddenly with practical things that had to be done, things in her home. Something as simple as um, her yard needing to be uh, mowed on a, on a consistent basis. And so we found an opportunity to let Diana know how much we love her as there's a community of people here on our campus as well as some who are on the Cornelius campus. And there's a schedule where on a weekly basis as needed, they're going to her house and they're taking care of all of her yard work so that she doesn't have to do it. And she's been overwhelmed that, the, that she would receive so much love. At our serve day, we went to Diana's house and we just, it was just something fun. We gave her a patio makeover because it was a really practical way to say we love you and we want to express that love to you. So community provides opportunity for us to express practical love, but it also provides a place where we can receive. And so I think back to Cammie and I have been married a couple of years and um, a challenging time in our life. Our first child was stillborn. And um, at the time the child was stillborn, uh, we went through a very difficult time. Uh, we were living with her parents. That's not why we went through a difficult time. Uh, uh, but at the same time, her father had uh, had his second open heart surgery. And it kind of took the group of us in the home to make one whole person because we were just suffering so much. But in the midst of that, people from this church, and this was many, many years ago, people began to bring us meals and to just love us. And I remember one particular day, uh, someone who attends the Cornelius campus uh, now, Mary Robinette, uh, brought us a meal. And we just thought, well, thank you, Mary. You, uh, we'll see you to the door. And she goes, I'm not leaving. And she sat down and she ate with us. And she began to love on us in the midst of our hurt. While we were hurting, she brought some joy into us by simply sharing, not bringing, but actually sharing a meal. She took the time to sit with us. And so it's in those ways that community involving ourselves, rooting ourselves in meaningful relationship allows us to share love and to receive love. Lisa, continue the conversation. I have to say that for me, I had to learn what it meant to live in community. It, it, living in community is not something that came naturally to me. I was raised in a home that valued independence and self-sufficiency. I can remember um, a phrase that was used very often and is still used pretty often in my home is if you want something done right, you should do it yourself. Yeah, you guys are as dysfunctional as I am. <laughs> I can say that. Yes. Well, and it is true because I can say that because I've been walking through a process of, of healing um, and recovery from actually from that, from that mindset being the pervasive mindset that I have. Um, 
Let me tell you what God did. In my, in my mind, I said, you know, community is great, and I am great to participate in community as long as they don't get too close. So about 15 years ago, Kurt and I decided to um, host a life group in our home, and um, it was a, a great time. We had people in our home every other week, and we would break bread together. We would... Um, share prayer requests with one another. We would grow in the word and read scripture together. And what began to happen over time, and it was certainly a process, is that as we spent time with these individuals, we began to see that really they were dealing with the same things we were dealing with. They were having some struggles raising their kids. Their marriages weren't perfect. Um, They were trying to figure out how to walk out their faith on a daily basis And it was at that point that I realized that my self-sufficiency was actually robbing me of being able to truly be who God called me to be, um, to be dependent upon others. And God began to do a healing work at that point. And not only did my self-sufficiency rob me of that with my relationship with others, but also in my relationship with him. And I began to open up my heart and my life in, in whole new ways for him to be able to lead me. It takes much more courage to show weakness than it does to show strength. So as I began to let down my guard and we began to open up our hearts uh, to be available to others, God just did a whole new work. And the reason that that's important is because we in community need to show encouragement and support to one another. How many of us have been through a time in our lives where we've lost a loved one or we're going through something really difficult with our children and we just need someone to come around us who knows the true us, who can understand us and who can pray for us. And it takes vulnerability. It takes investment to get to that point in a relationship where you can reach out and you can truly ask for help. And in that time, God's perfect plan would be that that individual that you reach out to would actually point you to him. I know when I'm going through something difficult, I don't want people to tell me what I want to hear. I want people to tell me the truth of God's word, to point me to his Holy Spirit and to who he is in my life and in my heart and in their lives. And again, Galatians 6.2 says it wonderfully. Carry one another's burdens, and then this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So that's my journey in community and what community means to me. Cammie? So our third point is community does enhance our spiritual growth. Um, This week I was reading a, a story on the internet, and it was about this guy who had bought this knife. And it was awesome, and he loved it. And after a while, he wrote the company, and he said, you know, my knife was great, but now it's, like, really dull, and it's not working very well. And the company responded by saying, well, it it can be great again. You just have to sharpen it. No matter how sharp a knife is, it's going to get dull. And I think we're a lot like that. You know, Proverbs 27, 17 tells us this, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we grow when we're in healthy relationships and community. Um, our, we have two grown boys, and I know when they were growing up, I could tell you who they were hanging around with by their behavior. Uh, you know, if they were getting, you know, more smart alecky than, than normal, or if they weren't interested in church or God, or, you know, if they were having trouble in school, I could tell you more than likely they needed a change of friends. And if they weren't willing to do it, I was willing to do it for them. And that happened a lot. But anyway, and now they tell me I was a controlling mom. Um, uh, Anyway, off track here. Uh, So, but we're a lot like that. 
a lot of our behavior, a lot of our mindset, a lot of our actions is affected more than we realize by who we hang out with. Um, you know, I've been in community groups where, um, in relationships where I grow closer to God and I'm motivated and I'm loving my family better. And, and those are the kind of relationships that help us grow in our spiritual walk. And I was thinking about this on a personal level and I was thinking about through the years, you know, past and present, the people who really, and the groups who have really caused us to grow spiritually. And, and, you know, I think about prayer. I used to be a part of this prayer group. This is like when I was in my 20s, and we'd get together once a week and pray. And there was this woman in the group, and her name was Darlene Stilly. And she was uh, pretty much, probably 20, 30 years older than me. And I'm telling you, the woman could pray. She didn't mess around. She didn't use too many words. She just prayed. And, and it's like her words danced. That's the only way I know how to describe it. And I, would, I just wanted to listen to her pray. And I learned so much about how to pray for her, from her. I think about our marriage and different, you know, community groups we were in. And there was this one community group where there was this couple, Don and Barbara Gage. And we zeroed on, in on them. We're like, we want to have a marriage like Don and Barbara. And they were awesome. They, they had been like hippies and they had gotten saved in the Jesus movement and they were like really kind of out there and they were so cool. And we would just, you know, can we hang out with you, Don and Barbara, you know, in community group and outside of community group. And we learned so much from them. You know, you want to have your faith built? I'm telling you, spend some time with Marty and Sherry Ryan. They're part of our church um, body and you will leave so pumped up in your faith. Um, so it's just so much community group does enhance or community does enhance our spiritual development. It does make a huge difference. You know, we can grow on our own. We can, but it's not going to be nearly as deep, nearly as fast, nearly as um, powerful as if we're in groups and in relationships. So for me, one of the biggest things that community does is it helps meet practical needs for people. But it also helps us be aware of what are the practical needs that people might have. Um, hearing Cammie talk about spiritual development, I think that's one of the great things about who God is. When he's working in us, when he's stirring some convictions in us, like he shows us opportunities and ways in our life that we can apply what he's teaching us in practice. And so when we're in community, when we're building relationships with other people, uh, through those relationships, through that intimacy and getting to know people, God starts stirring stuff in us to let us know, how can I serve that person better? How can I live out my faith in this relationship with that individual? And for them, how can they be living out their faith in their relationship with us? And a lot of times it's in ways that we don't even know how to ask. There's needs in our life that we might not necessarily know that we need, that people, as they get to know us, might start to notice and be able to help serve in our lives. Um, one of the most easy examples I can think of is just in my relationship with Natalie. Like, as a married couple, as husband and wife, we have a community together. And so as we've grown closer together, as we build a relationship and get to know one another more and more every day, we start to understand what each other needs. We start to understand, you know, what are our pressure points? What are those trigger points? So for Natalie, in a season of going into school, um, it's a busy season. It's a stressful season. There's things that she needs that she might not necessarily ask for. But getting to know her and knowing who she is, I know there's things that I can do to help meet her practical needs in this season, whether it's just extra words of encouragement or helping out around the house. 
But that's just, I mean, that's the easy example, someone that you live with on a daily basis. But we were also having a conversation last night, and we were talking about how this past year, one of the things we're thankful for that God's given us is our life group, is the small group that we have in our home. Natalie and I lead a group um, for young adults in our house twice a month, and we just kind of realized that that group has met a practical need that we didn't even think or notice that we needed. You know, everyone in the group is a young adult, um, you know, pretty much in their 20s, but all of us have pretty much moved here from somewhere else and have kind of ended up in Charlotte and realized we don't, we don't have a close-knit family here. So as a community group, as a family, we were able to come together and say, hey, we might not be blood family, but we are a spiritual family. And we've been able to be there for, for holidays, having dinners together at Thanksgiving. You know, we had a couple that just had a baby, so we were able to do a small intimate baby shower for them. Just small things that we might not necessarily know their needs that we have in that moment. But as we get to know each other, as we live in community, we get to understand how can we serve those people. And it allows us to live out uh, the calling and the people that God's calling us to be through that community. And not only that, but community also, it, it, uh, it brings out our best. And so that's one of your blanks. You can go and fill that in before you forget it. But it brings out our best. Uh, who here likes to exercise? Do we have any people that just, you wake up and you're like, I'm going to go exercise. We have a couple, okay. Okay. So I myself, I am, if I'm not in the gym, I'm not living, you know. I just, I live, I live to run. No, I don't. That's a lie. <laughs> you guys are looking at me like, I don't think that guy goes to the gym. <laughs> I've been looking at that pie, but not the gym. Um, That's why but, I covered it up. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do like biking. I like to go road biking, not on a motorcycle, on a bicycle. I should specify. Um, and I do, I have a bad tendency. My wife would, would agree with this. I have a tendency of, uh, getting pumped up to go riding, you know, at nighttime, I'm on on my phone, scrolling YouTube, looking out how to be a better biker, you know, cleaning my bike, making sure there's no dust on it from last time that I didn't go. And then what happens is I go to bed and morning rolls around, the alarm starts going off and it just... Something shifts in my mind, and it just doesn't sound that fun anymore. And so I've even caught myself looking at the weather app, hoping it's raining or about to rain. <laughs> then I have a great excuse not to go. But once I got in community, even with uh, Justin, our other worship pastor here at Cornelius, um, there's a certain level of accountability and encouragement that takes place when, you're, when you are doing something with someone else. So then 6.30 rolls around, i got to get up and go, because otherwise I'll be getting a call. And then if I'm riding, if I'm not keeping up, he's going to leave me. So, you know, there's, there's little things that just help you kind of push yourself to be your best when you're in community. And uh, even in the Bible, it talks about this in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Solomon, we actually talked about him last week, or not last week, but a couple weeks ago. He was, he was, what, he was the wisest man on earth. And my wife would say this. I probably wouldn't, but I'm, up, I'm probably number 10 on that list of wisdom, but he, he has me one-upped. But uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And uh, 
you got to think, even a, a guy that he's king, he's got everything you can imagine. He has all the money he needs. He has uh, servants to do whatever he needs. But he still, um, in all his wisdom, he still wrote about that he, he understood that you need community around you. You need relationships around you to make you your best. Because when you fall down, who's going to be there to pick you up? And uh, as we've been talking, I've been kind of thinking, um, even this morning, like, there was, there was a group I was in in Montana before I moved here. Um, you know, when we lived out in Montana, we're 30-something hours from home. You know, we don't have family. Um, so we had a little baby. Um, but what did we do? We had a little small group. It actually started, as, believe it or not, it started as a marriage small group. And then some friends joined that weren't married. So it turned into a financial peace small group. And then it turned into a monopoly small group. And so what we do is we get together and we practice what we learned in financial peace. You know, we go through monopoly. And we just have fun and then have devotions together. And those are the people that I still talk to to this day. I'm, I'm serious. And it's the people I, I led worship with some of them. They, they've pushed me to be a better worship leader. They've, we write songs together still to this day. And so that's, that's the, kind of, the kind of bond that forms in community. And I think even Jesus in the Bible is a great just picture of this. He, he, he came and he did ministry. He could have done it on his own. He could have gone out and healed the blind on his own, healed the sick on his own. But he chose to do it with 12 other guys. And he chose to pour into them and, and form a relationship with those guys. And what happened out of that, they, those disciples became their best from that. And that's just another way that community is just is awesome. Thank you, Aaron. For those who didn't know, Aaron also does stand-up comedy on the side. <laughs> <laughs> At least we discovered that this morning. <laughs> As you can tell from our own personal experiences, we speak because we, we value community. We're not, uh, this literally flows out of a personal experience for all of us. I want you to, before we uh, finish this up, listen to two more voices by way of video that just uh, express the value of community. So I'm Christopher England. And I'm Krista England. When I first came to this church, uh, I took divorce care class for the first semester, and uh, I realized quickly that I needed to take it again. So I ended up taking it about three times total, just kind of as time progressed, I would get plugged into different groups. Whenever we started dating, I suggested to Krista, like, you know, would you be interested in possibly? So far, my group experience has been a dating marriage interview process. <laughs> <laughs> We did Forever One. Yep. We did that. We did, I did Divorce Care also, and then we did Financial, Financial Peace. Peace together also. I wanted to be sure. <laughs> I didn't want to take any chances with that. <laughs> so once I, once I was saved and I gave my life to God and kind of took that first step, uh, I really feel like the groups were a mechanism for my road to healing. Because the first step was for me to say, okay, God, I'm broken. I can't do this anymore. The way I've done it all these years hasn't worked. I've messed everything up. And will you, you know, redeem me? And so the groups that I was a part of and involved in, uh, I really feel like were a tool that helped me to grow uh, into, you know, what I've become today, which is a lot better person, a lot better man than I was before. If someone has a a feeling, a little inkling that maybe something's interested or maybe that, you know, maybe that's something they need to go. Just uh, be obedient and, and follow that and take a chance and, uh, and try it out because 
probably there's a reason why that voice is saying, hey, this is something for you, you know? Don't let fear or anxiety stop you from taking your first step into a group. So our goal today has been to encourage, to challenge, to inspire you to move into a deeper level of meaningful relationships uh, with the body of believers of the family of God that you've been placed in greater than ever. And many of you may already be involved in meaningful relationship. I would say dive deeper into those, to those relationships. But some of you, you just haven't. And uh, we, we've got it set up for you. Listen, uh, if you'll look in your worship guide, you'll see an insert like this. In fact, would everybody take it out? We have uh, that we're launching or relaunching 16 groups. Uh, we've got men's groups. We've got women's groups. We've got Bible study groups. We've got... Uh, common interest groups, you name it, it, it it's here. And uh, there's something really for everyone. And so what we're asking today is that as you're leaving, that you would at least take time to visit our group leaders who are going to be out at the tents. Um, we've got all of our groups represented there, all of our group leaders, and it's a little crowded under there. So you can have some ice cream while you're waiting to get to the table. And we would like, yeah, we would like for you to take time to um, sign up for a group, sign up for a couple of groups, test them out. But we want you to be involved in deeper, meaningful relationships. So uh, when I pray, group leaders, why don't you go on out and, and get in your place? Um, uh, again, ice cream there to tempt you. I saw they got some little goodies and candy at their table. Go and talk to them and at least take advantage of the opportunity. Would you stand? Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you love us so much that you created us not to do life alone, but to first do uh, life in community with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now you've placed us in this wonderful church family, the family of God. And I pray, Father God, that as a church, we would move into deeper, uh, meaningful relationships than ever before. And that we would be like that army interlocked, intertwined together with our lives, supporting, building each other up, supporting each other, Father God. I pray that you bring this about and I pray it in Jesus' Jesus name and everybody said amen God bless For more information on Grace Covenant Church our service times ministry opportunities directions and more visit us at gracecovenant.org